Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again, and live your life to the fullest. Today's topic is all about chronic pain and how we use functional medicine to help patients with chronic pain. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Let me tell you a little about her. Dr. Anne-Marie Barter is on the cutting edge of holistic health care. As a chiropractor and functional medicine practitioner, she helps people get out of pain and reach their maximum potential through her urine through her unique approach she has developed after studying under some of the finest minds in her field. She now specializes in difficult functional medicine cases, helping people with issues concerning their thyroid, blood sugar, gut, and hormone dysfunction, as well as other metabolic conditions. Dr. Barter, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Carey. I really, really love your podcast. It's just so fantastic. The information is great. Oh, thank you. You're you know, so welcome. You know, I think we have a lot in common because I also see a lot of difficult functional medicine cases. Yes, they are. They seem to be out there. And I, I just feel like these patients are so, so frustrated because they have looked everywhere and tried to find information everywhere and then they show up in your office looking for answers because they know something's not right. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking today of talking about chronic pain because there there is a certain amount of the population that's out there that suffer with chronic pain if it's chronic back pain or headaches or whatnot. Um, but yeah, there's a certain population that's suffering with chronic pain and they've seen the chiropractor, they've seen the acupuncturist, they've tried massage therapy, they've tried osteopathic therapy, they've tried physical therapy and all of that kind of musculoskeletal stuff and they're still in pain. So my thought today was to focus on, okay, so our clinical thought process with these patients, like where do we start and what are some of the things we think about as far as um, the root underlying causes of their pain? So my first approach is number one, um, lab work, just to see what's going on with their labs because every case is different on why and how they're presenting. But I also like to lay my hands on the patient's just to see what is going on. Um, are they completely inflamed from head to toe? Um, what what does their back feel like? What does it present with? Or does it look like they have um, an osteoarthritis presentation? Does it look like it's more of an underlying inflammatory autoimmune condition? So just to get some background on the case. But um, moving forward after I 
after I've put my hands on and I, I've assumed there's maybe chronic systemic inflammation in the case, right, or in the particular patient, then I want to go through and I look at their labs. And so you can glean a lot from just basic, basic labs. You can see um, if there's maybe some sort of underlying infection going on, potentially, and, and this can be everything from a gut infection to a systemic viral infection. And what a lot of people don't know um, is that these chronic infections, especially if you get stressed out, can rear their ugly head or if you have a, a, a quite a few stressful events, right? It, because a lot of times these are low grade in your immune system. And then when you go through a couple stressful events, they rear their ugly head up and suddenly you have this systemic pain that won't go away with massage, with acupuncture, with chiropractic. It seems like you've tried everything and it just does not resolve. And so we like to figure out potentially, and we can tell on blood work patterns, is are we dealing with a viral infection? Are we dealing with maybe some sort of, um, you know, yeast overgrowth? Are we dealing with some type of parasitic infection? You know, how is the patient presenting? And so we try to put that clinical aspect together. I had a um, case recently that came in that had just severe shoulder, neck, and upper back pain. And and it may sound cut and dry, but this patient uh, represented a couple times and flared up when she was moving into her new home, like they were transitioning into a new home with, with her family. She also has a history of, of thyroid issues um, and was being medicated by level thyroxine with a hypothyroid. In um, looking at the labs, it turned out she had autoimmune thyroid and ultimately had a chronic low-grade viral infection. And after we started treating the viral infection, suddenly all her pain cleared up. So you'll see those simple cases of just, it may not be, hey, you have structural pain, and now we just do structural work. Because, you know, inflammation can present as pain, but but doing structural work is not what we need to do as the main cause. So for the listeners out there, Dr. Barter just gave us a lot of great information in just that short amount of time. So um, to go into a little bit more detail, so looking at the blood work. So I'm assuming that you're talking about looking at the CBC or the complete blood count. And sometimes the white blood cells can be uh, low. And sometimes the neutrophils, the lymphocytes can be out of range, either high or low. And I don't know about you, Dr. Barter, but here in, I'm in... Canada, and I know you're in Colorado, and we have two different healthcare systems, but <laughs> from what I see, when patients come in with a CBC, is that's often ignored by their family doctor, like, oh, that's just normal for you, you just happen to have low white blood cells. But in my, in my mind, and probably in your mind, you're thinking, oh, there's a chronic infection on board, I'm sure of that. That's correct. You can definitely see that. And I mean, I think when we're looking at functional medicine ranges, you know, your labs may or may not be out of reference range. You know, again, it's the standard deviation of the population, meaning 
whomever ran lab work at that lab that year is compared, right? And so if your population is sick or average, then you're put into that pool. And that doesn't mean that you don't have symptoms, but 90% of the time, the CBC is completely ignored. These patients end up on antidepressants, pain medications that aren't working. And I mean, infections are a huge, huge cause of overall chronic pain. So right there, the CBC is giving you some clues. And then I'm assuming you're probably also looking at their vitamin D level. Absolutely. Vitamin D, in, I mean, in, this is a common um, misconception among my patients is, you know, we're at, we're, we're pretty high up, right? And so ultimately 5280 for most of the, most of Colorado, right? And so a lot of people are outside, but most people, most people, their vitamin D levels are chronically low. We're talking 19 is what I see as a general rule on vitamin D levels. Okay, so I'm doing a quick conversion here. 19 for you is about 48 for us. Okay. In international units. Yeah, and that's low. That's low. (laughs) And so we know that anything below 20, the patient has an increased risk of autoimmune disease. And increased, you know, increased symptoms, problems, fatigue, inability to sleep, pain, anxiety, depression, you name it. Like everybody presents differently with autoimmune disease. But we know that they have an increased risk when it's below 20. Our standard units, sorry, your your standard units is 40. Um, We really have a... A silly metric system down here, but um, anyway, so that's that's what we generally that's what I generally see, and so we've gone even as far at just to be interested because I see quite a few thyroid cases, and um, it, in in my office here, um, which are both um, hypothyroid or low functioning thyroid, and also autoimmune thyroid we catch quite a few of those in here and the and the big thing and why I've caught so many autoimmune thyroids is because these patients present with pain that's one of the main presenting symptoms headaches their bones break can break easily believe it or not Um, they have depression they have anxiety um, they have just chronic headaches and chronic pain and so ultimately when you start to drill down um in their particular labs, you do see that their inflammation is very high and also that they have autoimmune thyroid. And we have made connections to some viral infections that seem to be high as well in, um, in any sort of Hashimoto's case or autoimmune thyroid. So you bring up a great point again about thyroid, that thyroid is a very commonly underdiagnosed Um, issue when it comes to patients who have chronic pain, um, chronic aches and pains, even patients that have like a fibromyalgia picture. Mm -hmm. Um, That can be very much thyroid related. So let's talk a little bit about the thyroid because again, I know you're in Colorado. (laughs) I'm in Ontario. What I see the family doctors usually run is a TSH for thyroid stimulating hormone that usually is in the range and the patient is told by their doctor, oh, you're fine, you don't have a thyroid problem. And you and I, we know that there's (laughs) much more to that story. So if you could give us some of that information. Yeah, so they, so the big thing that they can medicate for is the TSH. That's one of the 
the main things that they medicate for, at least here, and from the patients that I've seen that are um, are nearby here. So they will medicate with level thyroxine or armor or something of that nature if the TSH is off. So I start to, our TSH ranges, um, and you may want to convert this into metric, but our TSH ranges go from 0.5 to 5 here which is yep. a pretty big span. What are what are your ranges? It's it's the same here basically. It's uh 0.5 to uh, I think it's 4.5. It, it's basically the same units. I have patients that struggle to come in when they have about 2.8. So they're really struggling at about 2.8. So anything above 3 I generally will treat about starting around 2.8. And what we see is um these patients a lot of times if they have um, a, either a low TSH, um, low TSH would be, this is actually backwards, low TSH means you're going to have hyperthyroid symptoms, when, and high TSH means you're going to have those hypothyroid symptoms. So a lot of times, they'll be treated with the TSH piece, but they don't take into account potentially like a lot of patients will present with high TSH, but be having symptoms of hypothyroid. So we think about maybe an anterior pituitary problem because we have to, we secrete something called thyroid releasing hormone. So if we see a pattern where there could be a pituitary problem, the patient will have completely normal TSH, right? They'll have completely normal TSH on lab work, but have complete hypothyroid symptoms, even though their TSH is fine. The other thing that we see is an under-conversion problem. So primarily in the liver, but also in some other tissues, um, the gut and peripheral tissues being those, um, we have to convert T4 to T3. T3 is an active form of, of your thyroid hormone. And a lot of times, especially here, we see, I see the liver being backed up or not functioning well. And then also the hormones have to be converted through the liver. And so a lot of times these patients are not converting that. So I find TSH to be the only thing that they're checking. And then you also want to check autoimmunity, which I find is really also a big game changer, right? So, um, and and if that's when people are having depression symptoms, anxiety symptoms, inability to sleep, incredible chronic pain. I mean, these patients have been passed over, infertility. And a lot of times what happens is a patient will be diagnosed, for example, with hypothyroid, right? And they'll be put on meds. And the doctors will not run, for example, um, the autoimmune markers for thyroid. And these patients are having miscarriages. They are um, having terrible depression and anxiety and and it's completely passed over. Um, and so we see that quite a bit here. So the for those that are listening out there, you're getting the sense of when patients come to see Dr. Barter or myself, we're looking at everything in their body. We just we're not just like, oh where's your pain? We we want to look at everything because there is a reason that it's happening. And um, so above and beyond everything that you said about the thyroid, the other thing that I'm going to add in as a clinical pearl is I'll often test zinc levels. Mm -hmm. And I find most people have a zinc 
deficiency or a zinc insufficiency and so then they're likely not converting their T4 to their T3 but then also zinc is really important for immune health and that if zinc levels are not adequate that that you know going back to what we were talking about earlier the potential of an underlying viral infection or bacteria or something like creating immune chaos and creating inflammation in the body as we start looking at this these things start to get connected all together absolutely yep and and zinc is it is a huge huge deficiency um in america zinc magnesium phosphatidylcholine those are all pretty big deficiencies i see across the board so from a blood work standpoint Again, I know in your Colorado, I'm in Ontario, I know what comes across my desk. So typically what's run is a CBC and a TSH and uh, maybe a cholesterol panel, maybe some liver enzymes and all of that comes back normal. Um, so you, the listener, you want to ask to have your vitamin D tested. You want to ask to have your zinc levels tested. You want to ask for a bigger thyroid panel, but I know you're going to be told no. Um and then for, for a magnesium test, to ask for a red blood cell magnesium or an erythrocyte magnesium. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those are some of the kind of um, standard tests available through, uh, you know, the lab down the street. Mm-hmm. And then above and beyond that, what are some of the other things that you're thinking about when patients come in and they're, they're in chronic pain? You know, I also think about um, environmental exposure. So um, big, big deal here is that most of my patients are exposed to about 70,000 chemicals per day. And as we socialize, you know, a lot of times the socialization happens around alcohol. And so you see these, especially women come in with hormone dysregulations. They've had a lot of chemical exposure. And we have what we see a little bit of um, functional fatty liver. On, on lab work. Um, and so they're not processing the toxins that are coming in to their system. The other thing that we see a lot of, again, is also a functional, slow-moving gallbladder. So for example, in a thyroid case, what we're seeing is that they're not processing the the things that they're being exposed to because if, if you have low-functioning thyroid, everything slows down in the system. Every enzyme reaction slows down. And actually on ultrasound, how slow the gallbladder actually contracts slower. So we actually have a detox issue from what I see in these actual patients. And one thing that I ask them, uh, which I have found really interesting, is most of these patients don't sweat. So especially the further along we get autoimmune-wise, most of these patients aren't sweating, especially with chronic pain. So, and, and a lot of times, if you really dig down, uh, sometimes they're not having frequent bowel movements, they're not drinking enough water and eliminating enough through their urine, etc. And um, some of these women are uh, menopausal, so they're also not eliminating through the periods, right, as well. So um, I believe it's really important to get somebody sweating, um, somehow, I mean, if they can't work out, if they're in too much pain, maybe doing a sauna or a far infrared sauna, I find to be very beneficial just to start to get that. And you hear a lot of these folks say that they can't sweat at all, which is fascinating to me. I don't know if you've seen that in your practice, but that's been a huge correlation that I've made. Yeah, I have seen that. And 
<clears throat> that's certainly a red flag when I see that as far as like, oh, this patient is likely to be fairly toxic because mm -hmm. one of their their main detoxification pathways is not working. And how do we get that working so that we can clean up the body from the inside? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and then, and then so you had said a couple of things there. So you said a functional fatty liver. So mm -hmm. probably on the blood work, you're, you see like a bit of an elevated AST or ALT. Correct. And then you said a functional gallbladder issue and what would you see on the blood work with that? A little bit of an elevated bilirubin? Correct. Okay, fantastic. So that gives the patients out there, they're probably going to listen to this podcast interview again <laughs> with their uh, blood work blood in front work. of them, which is good because this is how patients learn. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really, really important. So, I mean, we see, I think the number one surgery that's performed is the removal of a gallbladder. And these patients really struggle to digest fat after that, right? And they have all kinds of digestive problems after having the gallbladder removed. And just because your gallbladder is removed does not mean you still do not need to support that organ. And so it's it's still really important. Oh, I got my gallbladder removed. I don't care. I don't need to support that. That's actually untrue. You definitely still want to support the gallbladder. And so then the next point that I wanted to bring up, as you mentioned, um, a functional fatty liver and gall gallbladder issues, um, you know, clinically in my mind, I start thinking, okay, so then that can have a trickle down effect to the gut. Mm -hmm. And when I see uh, signs of a fatty liver, I wonder, well, is that diet related or is that gut related? So can you talk about the importance of our gut microbiome and then how that can impact people that have chronic pain? Sure. So I think one of the biggest things is the gallbladder, um, there, that the, the hepatic system is used for digestion. So if you hear somebody say, listen, I have a really big problem digesting fat, or I get sick after I've eaten fat, or I really struggle to consume alcohol, etc., um, you know that there's probably a backup um, in the hepatic system. You know, the gut microbiome is <laughs> such a big, big um, issue, right? Um, the gut microbiome is influenced by what we eat, what types of food we eat. It's influenced by, um, you know, uh, like where our meat comes from, uh, has the meat been exposed to the antibiotics, has dairy been exposed to antibiotics, have we had, for example, um, like for example, Roundup, which is uh, commonly found in a lot of wheat products, um, that actually affects our gut and creates a leaky gut scene. So for the most part, what I find is most patients, as a general rule, most patients have what we call leaky gut. And that's a simple way of saying that your food is not staying in your GI system. And to me, it's always been really interesting that we can run a food sensitivity test. And a lot of these foods that we've eaten here recently are having an immune reaction in the blood, right? That we can actually see our body reacting to these foods. And all those foods should be staying in the gut. But when foods are going where they're not supposed to go, we can have chronic problems every time we eat that food. And so going back as a simple rule, because this is a big topic, but for example, in a thyroid case, most patients cannot eat 
wheat at all, right? Because it's so close to mimicking the thyroid hormone. Most patients, especially Hashimoto's patients, cannot eat that, okay? Because you have an immune response to it. But we've also found, I I personally have found in practice when we go to diet, is I find that doing an elimination diet, which is where we put you on a very strict diet for about a month, and then we slowly incorporate foods. And it's an intuitive way to say, how do I feel when I eat these foods? What do I feel? Do I notice that I'm bloated? Am I bloated after everything I eat? Am I gas? What is it? Do I ache? Does that pain come back? And that's what we that's what we can um titrate out, for example, food sensitivities or how the microbiome is affected. But it's it's very, very important. The microbiome is a huge topic. I don't even know how to tackle it. <laughs> we need a whole other interview to do that, right? <laughs> I don't even know how to tackle it. <laughs> but, but one thing that I do see commonly that I have found that I, I've, I have found is a big issue in my practice is most people are very stressed out. They're exhausted. Um, they're burning through something that we call neurotransmitters. And 90% of the neurotransmitters are made in your gut. And they're phenomenal, right? Um, they help with memory. They help you feel happy. Like a very common one that we know about is serotonin. We call it the happy molecule. Dopamine keeps us focused, keeps us um, energized, keeps us motivated. Um, and then we have GABA. It keeps us really calm and we can just handle one thing at a time and we just generally feel really well balanced. So the microbiome actually influences how how many and if we can make the neurotransmitters themselves. Like, um, for example, rhamnosis, lactobacillus, is a way that we can create GABA. So anyway, that's a fancy way of saying what I learned in my practice clinically was I would have patients come in and say, listen, I cannot do this elimination diet that you're asking me to do. This is too complicated. It's too much. I want to do it, but I can't do it. And so what I have found is that repopulating the neurotransmitters, sometimes if it's indicated, really helps the patient stick to a diet short term where we work and repopulate the gut so that they feel better as they're trying to do these diets and eliminate the foods that they need to eliminate that's causing the inflammatory reaction in their body. Yeah, so you, you have kind of your short-term plan and your long-term plan. Yes. And uh, meeting the patient where they're at and um, trying to help them with, the, with what they're willing to do, what they're willing to take on. Because as you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you get a lot of the same patients that I get. Like they come in, they're tired. They have insomnia. They, mm-hmm. they have pain. They also have a family, two okay. or three kids and a spouse. And so then it's harder to start making these diet changes, even though like that's ultimately what they need to do. But we just have to slowly get them to be able to do that. Yeah, these lifestyle changes are pretty big. And I mean, getting everybody on board, keeping the patient motivated and getting everybody on their household on board because there's a big force pushing against them. So I want to set them up for success however I need to do that. And I mean, a lot of times just I've realized that the brute force strength doesn't really 
work. Like, okay, it's got to be all willpower, da, 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 da. And, you know, I, I go back to a time in my own life, I've always eaten pretty clean. You know, I've been on this path for a really long time. Um, but I remember as my stress level increased, I found myself really wanting sugar. And I had to step back and say, what's going, what's, what's up with me? You know, why do I want this? Why? I know how to eat. I know how damaging these things are. Why am I doing this to myself? And I'm like, oh, interesting. My stress increased. My neurotransmitters went down. Now I'm in this bad cycle where I'm feeding different microbiome, right? Because your, your microbiome transforms based on what you're eating. And so that's what it makes you crave. Also, you know, on top of that, we have a lot of pathogens in the gut. So a lot of times that's, a potential as well, um, also creating pain or chronic pain. But um, another another topic for that, that's a big one as well. Yeah, so to recap, we spoke about some of the um, simple blood tests that can be done to, you know, look for clues as to where the pain might be coming from. And it might be immune related. It might be thyroid related. It might be gut related. It might be related to detoxification. It might be related to uh, simple vitamin or mineral deficiencies or insufficiencies. The the reality is most patients are complex and they have more than one thing going on. So as a the listener out there, if you're thinking about seeing a functional medicine practitioner, they're not just going to give you a magic pill and you're going to be all better. It's a process mm-hmm. of trying to find these things and most people are are like a puzzle and it's about finding each piece and addressing each piece and fitting it all together. Uh, Dr. Barter, we're starting to run low on time. Are there any other things that we didn't get to touch on that you think is important for patients to understand about functional medicine and uh, chronic pain? Yeah, I do. Um, One, one other really big one. um, There are a couple other really big ones that I have seen in practice have been dental infections that's huge. And I feel like the patient can't get better if they have a a pretty serious dental infection. Um, A lot of times you're going to have sinus pain, referral, headaches, um, but the patient, and and sometimes it relates to neck pain as well. And again, that doesn't really respond to to traditional methods to um, helping treat those patients. It just keeps coming back. So I see that be pretty common. Also here, um, in Colorado, it's pretty dry, but also mold has had some systemic infections. If somebody lives in a mold-infested house, if they're exposed to mold, that is also huge for inflammatory conditions, creating inflammation overall. And last but not least, um, some women have problems when their hormones are low, overall systemic hormones, right? Um, I believe, in my personal opinion, I believe it's it's generally the last thing I address. Um, I do not address it first because I. a lot of times I feel like if I can get the rest of the body back into alignment, then a lot of times the hormones will follow. But I found in about 25% of cases, they do not. Um, we have some problems with anterior pituitary issues here and they need to actually be stimulated. So that's what I've seen. So, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought all of that up. You're right. So dental infections can be very difficult to diagnose and I know in my private practice as I'm working with a patient as I'm you know I've got the checklist of our our to do and we work on the gut and we work on detoxification and we balance the hormones and we get the thyroid and we do all of these things and the patient is still in pain 
then these other things start coming up on the radio radar screen as far as could it be in the mouth could it be a mold issue could it be sears could it be lime Mm -hmm. uh yeah that i guess the big take home is there there is a reason that it's happening Mm -hmm. and that we just keep digging we just keep digging deeper and digging deeper to find that absolutely and i mean i feel one of the last points I really want to drive home is this is a process. I feel like we have been conditioned to be like, oh, I have high cholesterol. I need to take a statin. This condition, which isn't really a condition, for one pill, right? And so we have this thought process. Oh, I have pain. I need Advil. Um, you know, oh, whatever it is. Oh, I'm de- I'm depressed. I need an antidepressant. There's a reason that your your body is trying to tell you something. Pain is not something that just needs to totally be blotted down. The question is, why do you have the pain? And it's generally not due to one thing. When your body's like cannot continue, there tends to be more going on. And the last thing that can be pain related. Um, that is is pain that won't go away again can be you know cancer brewing as well so um uncom it's not as commonly seen here but um i've seen that a couple times in practice so dr barter how can our listeners find out more about you yeah so my website is alt alt fam fam Med MED, short for alternative family medicine.com. And we have, um, we're very active on socials. All of our socials are actually on our website um, and all the podcasts, of course, that we've done, etc. And um, you can get any more information on our website. So for the listeners, I'll make sure to put those links in the podcast notes so that you can easily find Dr. Barter. Dr. Barter, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview. Thank you so much, Dr. Carey, for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.